Hello and welcome to this edition of Deeper once again. It is so good to have you with us. And uh, here's me and Beck. We're going to share the little bit of wisdom that we have about the passage that I looked at on Sunday. Hello, Beck. How are you? Hello. Yeah, good. Thank you. Looking good. forward to chatting a bit about evangelism this, this morning. Yes. Yeah, because that's really what I preached on, wasn't it? It was uh, so for those who uh, weren't there or haven't watched it online yet, um, I talked about part of our vision, which was all about um, seeing people's lives transformed uh, and focused on how, well, everyone needs to know about Jesus and uh, the need for us to evangelize. So that was the talk. And um, if you've not watched it yet, do please do that. Um, I thought it was a great talk. You know? It was a great talk. It was, it was nice. And <laughs> not allowed to call Steve's sermons nice. Never. Um, it, was, it was a really good talk, actually. It was very challenging, wasn't it? About, good. yeah. you know, we, this is stuff that we sort of try and stay out of if we can right, sometimes. Right. And you have picked up there on, on one tip I would need to share with everyone. Never, ever, ever say to a preacher, that was a nice sermon. No one wants to preach a nice sermon. Anyway, let's crack on with this. So the passage was Romans uh, 10, verses 8 to 15. Do please press pause, read that passage, read it in a couple of versions if that helps, uh, and then restart the video. Okay, so first of all, quick context. Uh, Romans 10 uh, is in the middle of Romans 9 and all the way through to Romans 11, which is all about Paul talking about the role of Israel in the arrival of the Messiah and where they stand with God now and all that kind of stuff. And 10 is quite pivotal in all of this. If you read all of chapter 10, you'll see verse 1. He starts off with, he says that his heart's desire and his prayer is to see all of Israel saved. And uh, that's quite a big statement because they thought they were. All they had to do was keep the law, which, of course, <laughs> they weren't doing. Uh, so... What basically what I took uh, from this is what could be applied to Israel, who were God's chosen people, and they need to be saved and they need to be told about Jesus, uh, can be applied to everyone. There you go. You don't even have to watch the sermon anymore. You, you know it. Right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, so we're going to look at this passage in three parts. We're going to look at verses 8 to 11, 12 and 13, 14 and 15. So first of all, verses 8 to 11. We'll start with you, Beck. So uh, what do you see in these verses? What's going on, do you think? So, um, so Romans is, um, we don't, we don't really know who planted the church at Rome, but most likely it was sort of a spillover from the day of Pentecost that mm. um, there were lots of dispersed Jewish communities. And one of them, there's quite a big community in Rome. Um, and so some of them were probably in Jerusalem at Pentecost and took back what they'd heard and learned on that day. And so um, so Paul's sort of speaking to a, a mixed community of you know, Jews and people who've attached themselves to the Jewish communities, people who um, who would be called God fearers, sort of people who were around that. And speaking to them about, you know, you, you're becoming one as a community and you all are equal before God. You all need to know Jesus to be saved. Um, and so this, this is the sort of the gospel that would have been preached in all of the apostolic churches. Um, 
this this is the basis of Christian faith that Paul's kind of getting in there with them, saying, yeah. "This is what you need to know to be saved, and this is yeah. what you need to do." And he kind of contrasts that, doesn't he, with um, effectively the Jewish viewpoint that righteousness came by observing the law and observing it perfectly. Uh, so for them, righteousness was all about what they did. And Paul contrasts that with a righteousness that comes by faith. And uh, we're kind of getting to the, the end of some of that discussion that he has uh, in verses uh, 8 and 9 particularly. Um, so it's all through the actions of God and Christ rather than our actions. And so that's why uh, basically says faith is, is declared you know, is where you call on the name of Jesus, you you say that Jesus is Lord, because it's always about accepting what he has done, not trying to persuade God that you've done something right. And there's a move here in, in 9 and 10 where um, he's sort of saying, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that's quite like a private, you know, you're saying it out. Your, it's what you believe in your heart but then we get to this sort of um professing your faith and being saved that there, there is a movement from your what's going on inside you to what's going on in your external presentation that's important yeah. in exercising faith and it really would have been for the roman church because they would have suffered persecution for speaking mm -hmm. openly about their faith they would have potentially lost financially yeah. because their businesses would have been boycotted potentially there were lots of potential downsides to professing faith but paul definitely is saying here this can't you know it's not just a private thing that you do there's a there's a profession element to this that's important and and it's it's really important i think in in rome uh because the whole jesus is lord thing is actually quite a subversive statement Mm -hmm. So it was common for everyone to go around to say the Caesar is Lord. And I think I've talked about this in previous uh, episodes of Deeper. So to say that Jesus is Lord was a revolutionary statement. And he's saying this to those in Rome, the home seat of Caesar, say that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And I think there's something lovely there about the, the, both the heart and the mouth together. You know, that you know, you know it in your heart and you express it with your mouth. There's both kind of felt and expressed. There's nothing private here. You know, the, you know it's my, because, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard, I've certainly heard people talk about, well, my faith is private. No, it's professed. It is declared. Yeah, uh, and it would have been really easy to to convert people. You know, we, we can talk, move on a bit to talk about some of the challenges of people coming to faith. Well, in this circumstance, it would have been really easy to tell people about Jesus in quite a private way that, that didn't really challenge their, like, this was life challenging. If you want to join this, if you want to get into this, right. this you're, you're throwing your whole life away for the gospel. Yeah. Um, in, in that he sets the bar high doesn't he really yeah <laughs> you know we often talk about setting a low bar for kind of entry into church paul does the exact opposite it's almost like he sets a high bar you know if you're coming into this this is what you're doing you're, you're declaring out loud jesus is lord you are living out your faith in a very um verbal and obvious way it's uh it's quite a high bar and one of the things i noted is um let me just get my bible here um, is what he, he actually calls them to believe. Um, 
So I just need to try and find it because I'm stuck. Uh, so uh, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's really interesting. And that Paul does this a lot. He doesn't point people to the crucifixion. He points them to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That is almost like the key thing of our faith. Uh, yes, Jesus died, but he rose again. He didn't stay dead. And uh, that comes up a, a lot in his letters. Uh, and I would encourage you to kind of make a note of that if you ever come across it, that the resurrection is absolutely central to our faith. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that that we're called to believe, as well as, you know, it was Jesus died for our sins and uh, all the other stuff that we take for granted. Uh, and then we have um, just a quick thing on verse 11. Um, Whereas anyone's, as scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's a direct quote uh, from Isaiah 28, verse 16, uh, where uh, it talks about kind of the stumbling block. And the stumbling block here is Jesus. You know, it's uh, that's, and that's something that uh, comes up in other times in the New Testament. Uh, anything else you want on that particular part? Or should we move on to 12 and 13? Um, no, we can move on. Let's move on. So 12 and 13. Um, this is quite a simple little section. Uh, what do you see here? <clears throat> so as I, as I said earlier, that equaling out of Jew yeah. and Gentile that, that Paul is trying. Um, so I said earlier that the church would probably just been planted by people who heard what happened at Pentecost and went back to Rome and started. Yeah on it and so there's no sort of apostolic leadership in the roman church and paul's sort of trying to give a bit of leadership and speaking really into potentially um some sort of class divide things within the church of like people who considered themselves you know but we're the jews we're who the messiah was sent for And, and paul's kind of correcting that in what he's saying here you all need jesus to be saved this isn't yeah this isn't a second class thing if you're and that that is an incredible step change actually that's a really central part of christianity is that it is for everybody that yeah. this offer of salvation is extended to the whole world um and that that's the basis of mission isn't it this why this is for everybody this can be offered yeah. openly to anybody and it's there's quite a challenge here, isn't it? So, to a church that probably had both Jews and Gentiles in, to the Gentiles, he's saying, you've got to start declaring that Caesar is no longer Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And to the Jews, he's saying, you've got to accept that the Messiah that you've waited for for so long was not just for you, but for the whole world. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of challenge, a, ra- a quite a radical challenge to both groups of people. And, um, and he's saying, you know, the Jew and Gentile are saved in exactly the same way. It's yeah. my faith through the grace of God, and that's it. There is nothing else. And um, you can imagine how much of a challenge that must be to people mm-hmm. who've grown up with this whole sacrificial system for how you're going to be saved and how you become justified. And Paul's just just throwing it all out the window, but they he can do that because of who he is, because of his background and, and the revelation that he's had yeah. 
but it's it is really we sort of read it as if it's oh yeah you know we're doing this now but this is like throw everything you believed before out of the window because jesus has changed it all yeah absolutely and of course you know he his whole life has changed doesn't it so people will look at him and realize well he, he was this kind of you know really god-fearing jew trying to do everything right and now suddenly it's like well yeah you know jews are great but there's Jesus and all this focus on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, and let's move on to verses 14 and 15, uh, which I spent a bit of time on uh, in the talk. Um, really kind of, it's logical, isn't it? He says, you know, that we call on the name of Jesus and we're saved. That's what he says in verse 13. And then he says, but how can they call if they are ignorant of Jesus? And that applies to absolutely everyone in our life. How can they call on the name of Jesus if they don't know about them? It's a challenge. Absolutely. And I guess that's that's the the why to all the how that's gone before is that he's saying, you know, we we need to profess our faith, we need to speak it out against all the backdrop of challenge yeah. against that. But the why is because everybody else can't receive this thing that you've received unless you tell them about it because they don't know about it otherwise. Um, Which is why our faith cannot be private. And, you know, we're kind of back to that again. It's, it's about the, the public profession of faith. And uh, the moment we started, it's, it's my little red kind of thing that I keep to myself. We're actually, we're almost disempowering it in some way, you know. It's like, but it's it, it's it's not what's meant to happen. We are meant to be saved, and then, as I said on Sunday, we are saved and then sent all in the same motion. Mm-hmm. You know, it all happens, and uh, we are a sent people. And uh, if you want to know uh, the the kind of biblical references for that, watch the talk. I went through about four of them, uh, all of which talk about, and there's probably others as well. Uh, talk about how we are sent and sent to bring about the salvation of others. Uh, just a little thing, uh, just to emphasize again, where it says preaching, it doesn't mean that kind of standing on a soapbox, standing on a stage somewhere, preaching, it means simply to announce, to tell, uh, and we are to announce the gospel, but to tell people about it. And the sad fact is, not many people can really articulate the gospel. That's, no. that, that is a, that's a struggle for a lot of people. And really. that's one of the great things in this passage. Paul, Paul does make it very simple, really. You yeah. are to believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And that's it's not a very difficult message to get across. Then it's, it's how you... Flesh it out, isn't it? Yeah. Relevant to somebody yeah. in a conversation. That's right. But it's a simple kernel of a message. Indeed. Yeah. And it's led into so many situations. And then Paul in the passage ends with a quote from Isaiah 52 uh, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, um, and just talking about how God sees us when we actually do what we should do. You know, everyone loves good news, don't they? I don't know about you. I love getting good news. Um, and sometimes the, you know, that kind of rubs off on the messenger, doesn't it? That uh, when people receive good news, they view that person well. 
So let's think um, a little bit wider and talk about some of the application points for this. So let's go a little bit wider with this and think about some uh, application points. Uh, let me go first. Uh, I think uh, the first one is simply the importance of effectively speaking out our faith. You know, here in this passage, Paul talks on a number of times how we need to speak. We call on the name of Jesus. We say that Jesus is Lord. We are a faith that professes our faith in Jesus. You know, that's what it's all about. We declare it in some way. Um, and as we said before, you know, it's not about having a private faith or an individual faith. It's something that we speak about and speak out. Uh, and I think there's something very affirming in that for us, in that it cements faith in us. There is something about speaking it out, and in some way it kind of solidifies within us. I'm trying to think of the right words here, but uh, the more we're able to do that, uh, the more our faith starts to kind of take hold of our life. Mm. Because we're actually putting ourselves in a place where, well, actually, I need to live this life. If people know you're a Christian, you know, and not because you were some goofy little badge or something, but they know because you've told them, then you've got to live up to that. You know, it's, it, there's something quite powerful in all of that. So I think there's something about the importance of speaking out our salvation. Definitely. So you? to do that, then um, we need to understand what the gospel is. Um, and it isn't complicated. And there are lots of tools we can use to help us get a really good grasp of it and be prepared for the conversations that we're going to have, you know, have thought about how would you communicate? Why? Why do you believe what you believe? What what is it that makes you a Christian? Um so that we're ready to have those conversations, we've got clear understanding and we've got the, the words to articulate what the gospel is to people. Yeah, because as, as Paul says in that passage, you know, if you, you believe in your heart, well, you need to know that you believe in the right thing to know that you're saved, first of all. <laughs> you know, uh, it starts there, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, let's, let's we'll start that. We'll have a queue of people wanting reassurance of their salvation <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is important isn't it, that you understand why you are saved and that it's got nothing to do with what you, your perceived goodness, you know, or badness. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, next point, I think, would be obviously the absolute importance of evangelism. How can they call on the name of Jesus if they have never heard about them? It is just pure logic. And uh, we all, I hope, want people to get to know about Jesus who don't know about him now. And so who's going to tell them? Um, yeah, it's just, that's the challenge for us, isn't it? How do mm -hmm. we get out and tell people about Jesus? That's it. So I was, I was sitting in a cafe the other day, listening to a lady talk to her friend about the gym that she goes to. And, um, and she was such an evangelist about this gym. And yeah. the friend was looking distinctly disinterested in being forced to do squats at seven o'clock in the morning. But, um, but she was just like, no, no, it'll be good for you. I'll get you the details of the open day. You can come with me. I'll take you. And, and I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm much more shy than that about sharing my faith. I, I would back off if I saw that someone's body language didn't seem like they were interested. Or, but, but 
she was just determined that this is good for you. I've found this and it's great for me and it'll be good for you and you should yeah. come. And we're not very like that with faith, but actually it's it's the same thing. It's just... It is. So, so there you go. When you think about other ways in which people share something that's important to them, you know, people do it all the time. So like in Liverpool, uh, if I meet a guy, you know, uh, one of the first things you'll say is, are you red or blue? Mm. Yeah, it's like, and uh, that will start some banter or whatever. Uh, there's the old joke, isn't it? How do you know if you've met a vegan? They've told you <laughs> the first five seconds. You know, it's, uh, there's, there's all those kind of things. We are all passionate about things and we have no problem talking about them. I can no. talk about the gym, about coffee, about whiskey, about sci-fi at the drop of a hat. All those kind of things that interest me. Uh, and I am passionate about Jesus, but something in me starts to think, oh, should I say this? Should I not? Yeah. We all struggle with it. We all do. How so then the fourth point would be, this, this is good news for everyone. Yeah. And if, if we kind of really get a grasp of that as the truth, that this is, this is the best thing that you know about. <laughs> it's much more interesting than whiskey tell people that's yeah. our application point it is yeah it's good it news is good for news. everyone everyone and everyone without exception i mean you because know, sometimes people think everyone but oh you know murderers no don't think so uh this is good news for absolutely everyone so uh let's give them some questions to think about either on their own or in their mission communities So, uh, what questions can you consider? Let's give you some. Uh, first one is, uh, what actually keeps people away from Jesus? You know, we, we, we sometimes talk about how hard it is to share our faith and stuff, but um, what is it that might keep people away? Just kind of name those things and talk about them for a little bit. Okay. okay. So, um, following on from that, why does it feel so hard to share our faith with people? What are the things that hold you back? Why, what makes you yeah. nervous about it? I think the, 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 the key word in that is feel. Why does it feel so hard? Because I don't know if it is actually hard. That's the thing. I think our perception is it's hard, but I don't know if in reality it really is. Because when you see evangelists talk about their faith, you think, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, third question. Uh, what tips can you share with each other uh, about how to share your faith effectively. You've all probably tried it in some way, uh, learned some lessons. Just share those lessons now with others. And then finally, who are you going to share your faith with this oh, week? Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, Beck. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, do please consider those questions. We are talking here about the most important thing that we can do encourage someone into a relationship with Jesus. How important is that? So do please think them through and then act on it. All of this is done to encourage you to act on your faith. So do please join us on Sunday, either online or in person. Uh, and then again, next Tuesday for another edition of Deeper. Until then, stay safe and goodbye. <laughs>